What's up, NBA fans? This is Clayton Hendricks with another episode of Hoops with Slim Shooter. We had two really exciting Game 7s in the last couple of days in the Western Conference. Um, Just getting into those games, I mean, both came down to the last possessions. Very exciting uh, series overall. And, um, you know, definitely two games that uh, will be remembered in, you know, this bubble playoff that we've had. So getting into it, Houston versus OKC. Definitely in this series, you know, I was predicting to see the stars uh, of both teams coming out and just playing really amazing games and being the determining factor of who comes out on top. And um, especially for Houston, you know, they have James Harden, Russell Westbrook, two of the most, you know, known superstars in the NBA who are expected to go out there and get buckets, be, you know, be both of them being very, um, you know, prolific scorers to be kind of unstoppable, you know what I mean? And, and uh, it just didn't pan out that way in this game seven. I mean, Harden shot very poorly. I mean, 415, 26% from the field with only 17 points. And Westbrook, although he shot decent, 45% from the field, only uh, put up 20 points. I mean, from these two guys, I wanted to see a combined 60 points. I wanted to see both of them have very, uh, you know, incredible games. Game seven with your, your, you know, team's hope of getting to the next round on the line, uh, being the best players on the team, you know, I expect them to show out. I expect them to, to be... You know the the caliber of players that they you know they get paid for, you know. So uh, a really cool line that I heard from a coach um, was was that you know as a coach you teach and you demand greatness, um, especially in the professional realm. You know, um, it's as play you know it's it's your job as a player to keep your peers in check. And to be for them, be there for them, console them, you know, kind of help them along the way. But as a coach, you teach and you demand, and um, it's something that also I feel like as a fan, when you have superstars and these people that are at this high level of play night in and night out, you kind of expect greatness. And um, when when you know, your star player in James Harden only shoots 26% from the field and, and comes up with only 17 points in a game seven. It, it's something that for me is has been a pattern for James Harden, you know, in his NBA career as an entirety in the playoffs. When 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 the moment is, is pressure, you know, when the pressure moments are there for James Harden, he seems to disappear. Um, I mean, in 2015, we can just take a look in his playoff experience. I mean, 2015, he broke the record for the most turnovers in a game with 13 in a playoff game. His his team got eliminated in five. In, six, in 2016, he got blew, blown out by a Warriors team without Stephen Curry by 33 points. 2017, he got blown out again by a Spurs team missing Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker by 39 points. He's constantly just falling short when you expect him to be at his highest. And um, this, although the Thunder came out on, you know, I mean, the Houston Rockets came out on top 
in this game against um, OKC by only two, it, it doesn't set a precedent to me going forward for, for him, like of what you think he's going to produce for you if there's another one of these clutch moments, clutch games that come up. Like, is he going to disappear again? Is he going to shoot in the 20s? Is he going to turn the ball over? Is he going to, you know, throw up, throw up, you know, another 17-point game when we need him the most? I mean, it's something that we've come to expect from him, which is sad from a player of his talent level. Um, he's an incredible regular season player, but when it comes to the playoff, it's just a different story. And because of that, it's got to change the way we view him as one of the greatest players in this league. Um, if you don't show up when it matters, how can you be considered one of the greatest players in this league? I just don't think you can be. Um, I'm, I'm rooting for, for James Harden to show up. You know, in this next series against the LA Lakers, like I'm rooting for him to have a great series and push the Lakers uh, and, and possibly you know, have them upset and get to the Western Conference Finals. Um, I would love to see James Harden prove me wrong and prove all the critics wrong about his playoff performances. But <clears throat> over time and time again, you know, like he's proven to run from these pressure moments and, and just fall short. So we'll see what happens with that going into this next series. But, you know, in this game seven, I mean, for, we'll shift we'll shift the focus onto OKC. Uh, I mean, this game did come down to a final possession and um, an inbounds play for the for the OKC Thunder with just a few seconds left. Um, I mean, the Thunder had a legit shot to win the game, um, and Coach Donovan chose to put a very young, inexperienced player in SGA to inbound inbound the ball. Um, and uh, it, it just didn't work out. If you go back and, and watch the footage from this game and you take a look at this last possession, P.J. Tucker was completely face-guarding Steven Adams with no one in sight behind him. SGA could have easily lobbed the ball up to, to Adams for an easy layup or most definitely a dunk. And the game would have been, you know, the game would have been over. Um, it, it, it's just, it's just um, very confusing to me that Billy Donovan chose to put him in such a high pressure situation when you know he's a young player and you know he hasn't proven himself. And I just don't understand the confidence that he had that, that he had in this player. I mean, um, it didn't make sense. Uh, right after that possession, which was cut short due to a off-ball foul by James Harden, um, giving, giving the Thunder another shot at an inbounds. Yet again, SGA taking the ball out forces the ball in between his on-ball defender Harden and Westbrook right in between all three of these players trying to force the pass to Steven Adams coming up to the ball um, turns the ball over in the game and the game is finished uh, it's it's a questionable call especially from a coach that was considered to be in the 
voting for coach of the year um coaches aren't perfect and definitely they make mistakes um but to me this this is a mistake that's kind of it's like a it's like a rookie mistake you need to put someone who's experienced who knows what they're doing and that you're confident is going to make the right decision the coaches have a game plan and they most definitely want to see their game plan come through in the actual play but at the same time if an opportunity presents itself as an nba player that understands the game you have to see those opportunities and take advantage of it um, sga completely missed an opportunity and it could have put the thunder into the next round of the playoffs and got them over you know this incredible upset of the houston rockets um, I mean, I think they had a two, the Thunder had like a two point something percent chance to win this series. Um, is all is all people were giving them, and it came down to a game seven, the last possession. So, um, a lot of bright side for the Thunder. They have a young team, a lot of draft picks coming up in the in the in the future for them, and uh, definitely hope to see them grow learn from this experience and get back at it you know they they were definitely in the playoffs and in the position they were and were not expected to be there um so really great game great you know game seven from houston and okc um the second game seven was utah versus the nuggets a very tight um and defensively played game uh which is very different and a shift from the explosive offense that we had seen in the previous six games in this series from both donovan mitchell and jamal murray um i mean i predicted it that it would come down to those two players um whoever had the better game i felt like was gonna probably win the game for their team um but which was also not the case i mean both players um you know, fought hard in these series and 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 probably just expended every ounce of energy they had, and in this game seven, um, didn't have exactly the star performances that I expected. I mean, they only combined um, for thirty nine points together, um, but the game did come down to a last possession with the ball in, in Donovan Mitchell's hands. Um, he drove down the lane, you know, trying to get the ball. Uh, into the paint he lost it and was unable to even get a chance to put a shot up to tie the game or to win it um, and so the nuggets came up out of you know came out on top 80 to 78 um, to me that last play of the game has to stick in donovan mitchell's mind and be the motivating factor that pushes him to to take his game to the next level um, but the entire jazz team. So um, hope you know hopefully we've we've seen the growth of Donovan Mitchell and just the fact that in these playoffs he put up two 50 point games. Um, you know, the ceiling for him, there is no ceiling. Um, and I would love to continue to see the jazz improve and make themselves a force in the West. So, looking forward to that so we have three second round series getting off you know it's a quick starts already um game one versus the clippers and the nuggets last night um a dominating performance by the clippers 
um, when the stars of the Nuggets were just completely shut down. Um, you know, possibly still recovering from a grinding series, seven game series with the Jazz. Um, but you got to show up. It's a brand new series. You got to take each game as it is, uh, as a brand new game. Um, that's how you win a championship. You don't focus on the past. You don't worry about the future. It's game by game. Um, Jamal Murray went five for 15 with only 12 points. And Jokic, six for 14 with only 15 points. Um, those two guys, if they play uh, if they play like that, I mean, the Nuggets have no chance against the Clippers. Those two um, stars for the Nuggets have to show up. And the, the Clippers just have too many options. I mean, the, the, on, on the opposite end of this game, when the Clippers had five players scoring double figures, Kawhi shot 75% from the field with a game-high 29 points. And, and they won by 23. Um, I mean, we all know that, that the Clippers have a lot of defensive power that they possess. And and it, it bids to, it could be too much for the Nuggets to handle. Um, I mean, Jokic has been very consistent. And he was consistent that entire series versus the Jav. Jazz averaging a little over 25 a game. And obviously, Jamal Murray you know, he also, you know, having two 50 point, 50 point plus games in that series. Um, it could just be a showing of fatigue in this game one, um, but they got to shake that off and, and get back into it. And hopefully, you know, we see Jokic and Jamal Murray put up a, a better showing and make this a more competitive series. Um, but but I'm, I'm going to take the Clippers in five games. I just think that they're too much to handle. Um, the way they match up, I feel like, you know, the defense of the Clips, are, are they're just going to be too much for the Nuggets to handle. So I got Clips in five. Um, Boston versus Toronto. After three games, Boston is up 2-1. Um, only losing game three by an, an amazing game-winning three-point shot with 0.5 seconds left. Um, I mean, I believe this series is is going to be over in five games. I don't really give Toronto much of a shot. Um, I think Boston has their number, and they just have too many weapons compared to, on Toronto's side, having Van Vliet, you know, Kyle Lowry, and Siakam. Um, for me to depend on Van Vliet and Siakam to, to shine and, and, and be able to outmatch the, you know, the offensive power of Walker, Smart, Tatum, um, and the bigs that they have over there in, in Boston, I think I think it's just going to be a little too much for them to handle. And they've just proven throughout the season that Boston kind of has them figured out. Um, so I feel like Van Vliet and Siakam also, you know, we kind of know their ceiling and what they're capable of. Um, and on the opposite end, you know, Tatum, Walker, these dudes don't have ceilings. You know what I'm saying? They can have... They can have 40, 50 point games uh, on any given night. And I don't think Van Vliet and Siakam uh, are, are in that in that level. You know what I mean? Uh, Kyle Lowry definitely can have that type of game. Um, but it's, you know, it's it's rare. So I feel like uh, Boston has this this series, you know, and it's going to is going to put it out in five. So it'd be a two two quick series so far in this second round. Um 
we'll get on to Milwaukee versus Miami. I mean, Miami is up in this series 2-0. Um, but in game two is very, very close game and coming down to only a two point victory. And, you know, the Miami Heat had seven players scoring double figures. Um, it seems like their whole team is just clicking right now. Um, every player seems confident in their role and they're playing it at a very high level. And I think that's really important on a championship caliber team is you have to understand what your piece in that puzzle is as a as a player um you know you have to understand am i out there to to go out there and score be a playmaker am i out there to be a defender or am i just supposed to get boards and and uh you know move the ball around what you know every player has their own role and um each player should know it you know, like the back of their hand and be able to execute. And I feel like the Miami Heat are doing that right now. I mean, uh, Jimmy Butler's performance in game two, he only put up 13 points on eight shots. You know, after a 40 point performance in game one, he didn't see, I, I feel like he, maybe he didn't see the need to be as a, as aggressive. Um, and yet, you know, it felt like a smart play by him because it just seemed like he increased the level of play of his teammates and just boosting their confidence by feeding them, feeding them, you know, and getting them to understand that, like, if we're going to win, we all have to be on the same page and, and playing well. And I, I don't know if that was like a strategic play by him in game two. Um, but it feels like it. I mean, when you, he only took eight shots, only scoring 13 points. I mean, he just, it doesn't seem like he was getting after it like you think he would, you know what I mean? And so I like this play by him because it shows his awareness of keeping his teammates playing at a high level. They were playing at a high level in the first round against the Pacers and he wants to see that continue and their confidence to just grow. And so I believe he's just, he's showing them that by like, hey, I trust you guys. You're playing great. You know your role. Um, But in the end, I feel like for the Miami Heat to win this series, Jimmy Butler has to be the Jimmy Butler of game one. He's going to have to be aggressive and put up really, um, you know, just really great games 40 point games you know what i mean um milwaukee played great in game two and literally it just came down to two points and it came down to some late calls on both sides that were really iffy i mean we have a a foul on middleton by Dragic on the three-point line that didn't look like a foul you know what I mean? It was a judgment call by by the by the referee, you know, saying that he was invading his landing space. But I mean, it was pretty straight up, man. And he just stood there with his arms straight up, and I I didn't like the call at all. And then and then it feels like it was a makeup call on the last play of the game, basically on Jimmy Butler on on Giannis to put him on the free throw line to win the game. You never want to see a call like that to put somebody on the free throw line to decide a game. You know, you want to make a player hit a big time shot to win a game, you know? So uh, I, I didn't like either one of those calls, um, 
but you can't take away anything from the Miami Heat. I mean, seven players in double figures is ridiculous. I mean, they they played well. And um, but you know, taking everything into account with Miami being two two games down, um, and the fact that I I still I don't have the greatest confidence in uh, in Giannis and his leadership skills to be able to take this team all the way. Um, you know, I think he still has a lot to learn about leading a team and kind of, you know, staying confident when things look bad. You know, when they lost that game, I mean, he had his head down, looked defeated, you know, and understood that, you know, it could have easily been 1-1, but because of some bad calls, you know, potentially winning the game for Miami I mean now they're down 2-0 and that's a deficit that is difficult to come out of especially in a bubble setting with no crowd you know what I mean so I think I think uh he's got a lot to learn about his body language about his leadership skills and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm at a toss you know I'm tossing back and forth you know on who to pick in this matchup because I feel like both teams have a shot because it's like do I put all my confidence in a bench you know a, a deep bench of role players playing very well in Miami um, or do I put my confidence in a starting you know more more playmakers and starters like Middleton and Lopez and Giannis who normally perform at a high level every night you know what I mean I, I would lean towards putting my money on on Milwaukee um, because I, I just don't trust role players to perform at such a high level in you know every night, but they only got to win two more games. You know what I mean? I mean, Milwaukee's got to you know at least win you know three. You know they gotta they they need they need to get it to. I don't think they're gonna win four in a row and and, and close it out in six, and even the fact that they got to go three one in this next in this next uh next couple of games it's tough so uh it's a top up it's a toss up i'm still kind of flipping back and forth to to see who i want to pick in this series um maybe game three will tell me what it is if if miami gets game three i think it could be over um and like i said watch the body language of giannis and and his and the way he leads his team out there because it'll tell you a lot about him as a player and like I know Richard Jefferson came out and saying he feels like Giannis is a Pippen, Scottie Pippen type player, and he needs his Jordan. Um, you know, Giannis is an MVP. You know, that's a strong statement. But when you see the other little things about his game that show, like, can this dude truly lead a team to a championship? I mean, it's, there are things in question. So keep an eye on that when you watch these games. See if you feel the same way I do. So looking forward to the to the first matchup, you know, in the in the second round games of Lakers and Rockets tonight. Um, this is gonna be a, a, a great matchup between superstars. You know, we got we got AD, we got LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, we got James Harden. Um, First time since 2012 NBA Finals since Westbrook and Harden have played against LeBron um, in a series. Um, I mean, at that time, you know, Westbrook and Harden were on the OKC Thunder. LeBron was on the Miami Heat. Um, 
and you know Miami and LeBron did get the best of that and get that ring um, so it's gonna be an entertaining series I'm sure full of highlights uh, and I definitely can't wait to sit down tonight and watch that game so a lot of good basketball um, continue to stay tuned here with with me it's hoops with slim shooter um, and you know what spread the word about this podcast this is episode 20 I'm grateful for, to be doing this talking about basketball um, and uh, you know just getting into the game uh, from news around the NBA so I hope everybody has uh, a, a great day and a great rest of your week God bless